a pampered girl who I get everything I want. Yeah. There was always a no, but not from my parents. It's from others, from the culture we're living in. Just going out in this culture where I have to worry about the environment, the society I'm living in, it's yeah. really tough. Actually, what happened is that you had to live this duality of I have my own life, but then I have to present myself differently. And in some ways, you start questioning. So which one is wrong? This is part of the depression that I've been through. And that's where my journey started with bulimia. Hello and welcome to Kun, The Journey to Be. I'm your host, Reem Shaheen, a counseling psychologist and the founder of Be Psychology Center. Today joining me is Mirna, and Mirna is an ex-model who's now an aspiring pilot studying aviation science and hopefully will get her hours in order to be a pilot. So thank you, Mirna, for joining me and for taking the time to be part of this. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be honest. We were talking earlier and you said you're a little bit nervous and that's it's to be expected. It's not about being nervous. It's about that I have had this thing with, within myself that I don't want to talk about this with anyone. And few people only know about the story and what I've been through and what I'm still going through. And it was just a big of a challenge for me to be um, exposed to the world and just going out there and mentioning what I have been through, especially I live in a society where everyone knows each other and everyone is judging each other. So it's it's a big of a challenge for me to talk about it now since uh, the last, it's a bit exciting to be honest. I, uh, I'm not hesitating anything. There's a question that I wanted to ask you. What motivated you to speak this time? My answer to this is because I'm going through a lot. Okay. Mentally. Yes. Uh, in regards of the actual issue that I had three years ago. But um, as you know, that you always go through struggles in your life and it's very hard to express it and it's very hard to let it out. And you don't actually plan these things to happen in your life. Nothing. And I felt maybe this would help me um, as part of healing to talk it out and maybe someone else has this problem that I can be able to help them out but I've been always suffering in life my mom personally she's a very good supporter she's my number one role she's always there for me when I need her she's always there to tell me what to do what not to do mm-hmm. but coming to the point she, as she's a parent she would not understand what I'm feeling she would never put herself in my shoe yeah she would not know that um, I'm a person. Okay, let's say I got out of a relationship. What I will, what, what would I be feeling? She wouldn't actually know the struggle I'm in. Maybe to her, it's just, oh, she's just a kid. She doesn't know what she's doing and she'll move on. No, but everything in life, whether it was a, a relationship, a love, education, anything, you will always suffer from something. Yeah. And I'm, as a person, because I don't talk, so I've been actually going through a lot for the couple uh, couple of six months, last couple of six months. Mm-hmm. I suffered a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. And it was the hardest time of my life. Just being able to go out again and meet people again after six months of just staying home and doing nothing, but just working, yeah. it's it's a lot for me to um, to face 
So I believe that maybe if I spoke about it, maybe if I spoke what I've been through with others and sh- and just let it out of my chest, not just to tell it to a friend, not to just tell it to my mom and not to tell it just to my, my boyfriend or whatever, but I just need to, I need to get out of my comfort zone. And I really felt comfortable talking to you before yesterday. <laughs> Thank you. This is very exciting for me. And, and, and that was the hope of the podcast a little bit is to give that opportunity for people to, to, to heal, but also to connect to others who are going through similar situation and just that unconscious healing. You don't have to talk to someone in order to feel like, oh, there's someone out there who feels the same, but you just have to put it out there. I, I think this is a very good reason. And thank you for being so brave because that's not an easy thing to, to tell your story in general. So um, I want to get into it a, a little bit. You, I mean, obviously you've referred to the fact that you're Arab. Um, you said over the phone you're Egyptian, but you grew up born and raised in the UAE. How do you think that affected your upbringing? So basically what I can tell you is I grew up with my parents. I was the only child. And um, as my as I remember my childhood, I was pampered girl who I get everything I want but there is no as an answer it's always a yes from my parents obviously and um, growing up and getting what I used to get when I was younger I didn't always get it yeah there was always a no at some point no I mean you can't you can't go out with shorts when you're 15 years old I mean you're you're already um you're old enough to show your skin, but not from my parents. It's from others, from the culture we're living in. So the no were coming from the culture, was it weren't coming from your parents? Not from my parents, no. It was never from my parents because my parents, they always gave me this trust. So just going out in this culture where I have to worry about the environment, the society I'm living in is a bit tough. It's yeah. really tough. It's, it's completely different. The way different. You, were, you were brought up. Exactly. It's completely different. That sounds like a little bit like that, that you grew up in a household that had different values than the, the culture that you're coming from. And eventually what happened is that you had to live this duality of I have my own life, but then I have to present myself differently to, to family members or to society or to... Yeah. Any, anything so that's it's a little bit of a duality it's like you're leading a, a double life and in some ways you start questioning so which one is wrong if I'm hiding this from this and I'm hiding this from that so which one is wrong and which one is right and why am I doing that and why am I hiding exactly I know this is out of the topic we're supposed to talk about but this is part of the depression that I've been through and I have not ever spoken to anyone about it and it's very, it's very complicated to discuss it. Like, because me, myself, within myself, I always have this question like, okay, so if this person does that, why do I have to do the same thing they're doing if I'm not convinced with it? That's a little bit insane, but it goes into the big question of conformity. You live in a society, societies usually have any group of people have this, whenever they formulate, eventually what happens is a phenomenon that's called the group thing, which basically the group feels the need that any kind of, anyone who's different needs to be out. And you see it in 
on a small scale within friends in school, and then you see it on a larger scale in societies and religions and, of course, in countries even. So that's what you're experiencing. And Egyptian society can be very cruel when it comes to that because it's extremely judgmental. I totally understand what you're talking about. Very, very judgmental and very concerned with the other. So uh, the neighbors are concerned with, with each other. The people are concerned. What are you wearing? What are you doing? It's, it's very concerned with the other and judging the others. I mean, it was tough for me growing up in it. I can understand any person who's uh, who complains about growing up in Egyptian society or related to Egyptian society, because even my, if I have cousins who were born and raised out of Egypt and still really struggled because they don't understand what was going on when they came to Egypt. I mean, why can't you accept me the way I am? Exactly. How do you feel this duality living this duality from a really young age or do you feel it affected you in terms of the development of your mental illness afterwards or do you think that this was just it had nothing to do with it do you, do you feel it laid the ground for that so obviously I'm 23 years and looking back I, I can only remember when I was 16 and 15 years old and then going through the age of 16, where I started having my first job. And I feel like I'm responsible now to um, pay my university. So my parents didn't actually force me to do that yeah. because it was yeah. my opinion and my thought and my, my everything. It was something big to me. Like, I want to study aviation and I want to study it. But I know my parents, they cannot afford it because it's very expensive here. So I told my mom, I remember this day, I was with her driving in the car and she was asking me, what are you actually planning to study? I told her I want to study aviation. She's like, it's a very expensive university. There's one in Abu Dhabi and there's one in Dubai, but are you going to be able to do it? She's, I'm like, yeah, like, why not? She's like, like, what do you expect yourself to become out of it? I'm like, I want to be a pilot. I don't want to be a cabin crew. I, I really want to do that because I... I never heard of a woman pilot. I'm like, I want to do it. She's like, okay. But then I told her, let me work for a year and have a gap year. And then I will save up money and then do my study. She's like, no, either you do your studies or just work. You cannot do both at the same time. It's a bit tough. So I decided to do it. And she was very helpful at finding me my first job. And that's where my journey started with bulimia. I had a very good relationship with my boss. And I was doing 100% good at my job. It's not nothing complicated. I was just a receptionist. I can answer phones, send some couple of emails, follow up with the patients and all of that. I was 17 before I joined the company. On my birthday, she decided to terminate me for no reason. So I had a very bad day at university, but I'm still going to work. Maybe it's going to be better for me. I reached there. And a few minutes, they called me from the management upstairs and they asked me to go up. You know, how does it feel to have your first job and just go to your boss where you always get her flowers and you always compliment her and you have nothing wrong at your job. Like you're just doing your job and no one ever did a complaint about me and no one ever said Mirna's bad or she doesn't do her job or Mirna's very lazy. And then you just go up there on your birthday and you get a termination letter and you just have to sign it and you're not allowed to discuss anything with her. She was very strict. I told her, I have the right to know what's the reason. She's like, I have overload stuff. Am I the only one from the whole hospital who got 
termination. She's like, you're not even allowed to ask this. I'm like, okay. I just signed. I swear the moment I just went down, I went straight to the toilet and I started crying. The amount of pain I had inside me of, I couldn't do well. This is my first job. I did not do enough. Did I do something that I don't know about, that I'm not aware of, that made me get terminated? I don't believe so. A week later, the son of the owner of the hospital contacted me through Facebook. He's like, I used to see you every day at the hospital and I don't see you anymore. Is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, I don't work there anymore. He's like, is there a specific reason? I'm like, no, but I got terminated on my birthday. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that, but why? I'm like, because they had overload staff. And he's like, just give me, give me a few days and I can get you back to the management, to work in the management. I'm like, it's fine. I, I don't feel comfortable going to that place anymore. I am looking forward to have something different. It sounds like the experience of being terminated, what it left you with is a lot of self-doubt, a lot of questioning. You said, I went to the bathroom and I was crying and I was asking myself, what did I do wrong? A lot of the times, and especially with work and when it's your first job, you don't question what is wrong with the authority. You question exactly. what is wrong with me. I did, actually. I, I, it was the most depressing day of my life. Yeah. You know, especially I was just 17 years old. Yeah. Uh, it was my just very first job and I don't know what am I supposed to do if did I do something wrong did I ever say something wrong to anyone that had more than one complaint on me I don't know you, you can't just come and tell me you're you're wrong yes. I was the only one who was terminated mm-hmm. so um to me it was it was very frustrating mm. to me it was it was tough I didn't take it into consideration that much so Going on forward with this guy, I he invited me once for a coffee. At that time, I was very, very innocent. Like, I don't know what's like a guy would ask a girl to go out for a coffee. I didn't know that he likes the girl. He, he would like to like the girl. He would like to ask her out because I was very innocent. I was just freshly graduated from high school. Yeah. I'm like, is there a specific reason you would like to go for a coffee? He's like, no, just to catch up. Maybe I can help you. Maybe I can find a different job for you if you would like to. So I took it as an opportunity. Maybe I can find something out of the sky and why not? After going back to my mom and discussing, because that's how she taught me to always do things in the right way, to tell her everything and not to hide anything about her. Because we live in a society where you can't actually trust your own self. So we went out, we had a very good day and he was a very polite person and we had a very casual outing. Going on forward, it turned out that me and this person, we actually started going into a relationship. Mm-hmm. That he wants me and him, we went out for dinner and he asked me, um, he was trying in a way to get close to me and I pushed him away. Were you interested? Because to me, no. He was 28, as he told me, Mm. and I was 17. I mean, he's a very good person and he was very polite. But then that day when he was trying to just like to just reach to me and hold my hand, I was very scared. He's like, I really like you. And I feel like you're a person where I can call one day my wife. You know, to me, it was... uh, it was something different I have never experienced, but I didn't know what to say. I just told him that, are you sure? Because I'm still 17 years old and all my 
passion in life is about to graduate and be a pilot and I still have four years to go ahead, maybe more. So I don't think that you have made the right decision. He's like, I'm ready to wait for you until you graduate, but as long as there is a ring on your hand. So I told him, um, just give me a few days to think about it and I'll get back to you. I wasn't sure how it's going to work like. Is it something that I want? Is it something that's right? So I just went straight back to home and I, I told my mom this that happened and I, I was shocked and I didn't know how to act about it. She told me, if you think that he's a very polite person and he respects you and he actually wants that, then why not? As long as he come and meet either me or your dad and we have a conversation about it and make things clear. I'm like, okay. So I went back to him and I told him that my parents would like to meet you. And he said, okay. We went out that day and he dropped me back home. My mom was, was down and he didn't want to get outside the car to meet my mom. I had to make it very clear to him. I'm like, if you don't go down with me right now and just say hi to her and introduce yourself and make things clear, then I don't want to see you anymore. So in a way, he was forced to go say hi to my mom. And it was it was actually nice. And then they had to sit down and have the, uh, a proper conversation together about how it's going to work and how things are going to go. But then this guy, every time we went out, me and him, he used to always comment on my body shape. I was just 64 kgs and I my height is 167. So what would he say? Uh, I think you're a bit curvy. I think if you go to the gym and stretch your body, um, it will look better. I think if you start taking care of your food and, you know, things that I actually never thought about because this is not me. I don't care about how my body looks like, but I was still young. I don't know what eating healthy is like. I don't know what's going to a gym like, but I just want to live my life day by day, not to be bothered by my shape. I was very confident. I've never thought about your body before. You had never had issues with what you eat, what your, your body looked like, anything like that. Nobody ever commented in your family. Was that, was that new never, to you to never. have someone, to someone comment like that? It was very new. Like I never really bothered to listen to him and to, I'm like, yeah, inshallah, one day I will do that. Yeah. Like in a very sarcastic way. Like uh, I don't really take what you're, what you're saying to me right now. It doesn't really matter to me. But then I noticed that he's mentioning it every time we go out. Because yeah. I feel like so, just something that there's nothing to talk about. So he's just mentioning up the weight thing. Even though himself, he was not in a perfect shape. But I never complained because yeah. I'm going out with you for your personality for who you are and how you're how honest you are with me but not because how you look like how did that start effect, affecting your relationship with your body when i started getting these comments from him after a few weeks this person actually stopped responding to me after what i have been through of just trying to convince myself that i actually feel attracted to him and i actually feel like i want to be with this person he suddenly disappeared. He stopped ask, um, asking about me. He stopped responding to my calls. He stopped uh, talking to me on a daily basis. And then 
one day I I was on Instagram and then I saw his sister posting an engagement photos. It was a bit of a shock for me to see his name and another girl. I know that we're together and I still believe we're together. Like I, I believe that he's going to text me right now and I'm sure he will. But then I see his name getting engaged and getting married in two weeks. It was very tough. Yes, that must have been devastating. Very. That I didn't know what to react and I didn't know how to, whether should I cry or should I just stay quiet? Uh, I obviously told my parents about it. And it was my first time to sit with my father and we had this deep conversation. He wanted to do a huge scene out of it if it actually bothers me. But then I told him, no, Mm. this is something where I have to deal with it within myself to see what wrong have I done to be able to fix it for the future. It started with actually this person texted me after a week of his marriage and he told me, I miss you. He was very toxic. And I was very young. Like, I don't know what's, what is he thinking and what am I to him? But now I know what I was to him. Like a, um, a rebound yeah. or something. So you notice something I, that, I mean, every time you tell a story about something that has happened in your life, it's, it's automatically the tendency for you is to question, what did I do wrong? I remembered every time we went out, he mentioned about my weight mm. and my body shape. Yeah. Because yeah. when I saw his fiance or wife's photo, she was beautiful. She's perfect in a plastic way. Yeah. Her waist, her jawline, her lips, her nose, they're all done. And for me, I'm just natural the way I am. So it hits me in that way where I'm not perfect enough for this guy to marry me because of my weight. Not good enough. So I'm 64. I need to lose weight immediately. And I got into depression. I'm a person when I get into depression or I'm sad, or I'm, I'm having my PMS or I don't eat at all. Mm-hmm. So I didn't eat a proper meal for two months. Oh. In the first month, I started doing boxing. Yes. And I felt like maybe it's going to help me expose my anger out and just let everything out. And it will help me in a way. And then I got this membership for a year. So Jim was my only friend at that time. What did it give you? You say it was my only friend. What did it give you? At that time, it gave me confidence. Yeah. When it was not confidence, it was more of... My deep thoughts, like I want to, I want to lose weight because I still believe that this, this person, even after he got married, he will still want me one day. He will regret what he lost. And can you imagine from being 64 to 44 kilos in two months only, me not eating at all. But when I do eat, it's just a cup of yogurt per day. And if I gain 0.5 or 0.4 in the scalar, yeah. I freak out. I go like, uh, no, 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 no. I have to do something to lose these points, something. I have to be 44. I shouldn't gain more. So I started having more issues in my life. 
So it's basically that I really actually restricted my my food intake and I would skip breakfast. I would stick, uh, skip lunch, dinner, and just have a granola bar per day. And that's all I need to be able to go to the gym, to be able to survive at work. And then coffee, 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 caffeine, most of the time. Yes. At the time, because it's very hard to differentiate between your mindset when you're in it and then your mindset when you're out of it, especially when you're in it. At the time, mm-hmm. were you able to see the fact that your life has just become about your body? So I don't socialize because I don't want to eat, because I don't want to be told to eat, or I don't want to be in a dinner party and be asked to eat. So if we're going out for dinner, I'm not coming. If we're going out, so you don't socialize, you don't interact with people, you don't, it takes over your life, it hijacks your life. And it becomes all about, oh, there's 200 grams extra today. So no food and more gym. There's always another goal. So maybe 44 kilograms for you were not enough and you needed to lose more because there's a little bit of fat were you aware of all of that could you see that this this is something that's taking out over your life or were you just sucked into it completely that you just couldn't see it so in the same year I started being more active in university and I met a couple of girls there that they wanted to be my friends and they always wanted to go out and have lunch at university breaks and go out after university and my my side me i just want to have a water bottle even if you're going out for lunch and they never actually noticed that i don't think they have ever noticed that but i used to always um, give this impression that i'm a very healthy person who wants to be fit and i don't eat extra food i have a diet plan and all of that and the same year my aunt passed away Okay. And it was very tough for me. She died in front of me and it was part of the depression going through. And it was part of me trying to survive and know that it happened for her for the best because she was very sick and uh, she, she needed to go. She needed to go to a better place. And just seeing all of this happening to me in my just very first year after graduating from high school is is a bit too much for me to handle. And I I decided after she passed away, my friends were trying to get me outside the house and to change my mood and take me out to different places. And I always always felt like I can't do that yet. I would just sit with them and suddenly cry because of what I saw in front of me, seeing a dead person being washed in front of you is a bit of a hard thing to imagine or to express it to others. But I used to love her so much that I can't even express how sad I was when I saw that happen in front of my eye. However, everything happens for a reason, but um, going forward with my life and being with that group of Egyptian friends, and I was this skinniest one I still didn't eat per day like I would have only a granola bar a yogurt uh, water one thing per day and and then hearing someone from the other side coming to me uh hey Mirna your parents don't feed you I and and what shocks me more that 
the person who's who's approaching me is way skinnier than I am. So why are you complaining? Yeah. Why do you want to show me that I'm different? Yeah. And and I was in bulimia because I started bulimia. I started forcing myself throwing up after every single thing I eat. Yeah. I learned how to have the different techniques of throwing up. I learned different ways of throwing up. And I got this from Google, by the way. Yeah. I've read a story that's similar to mine. You learn how, different ways to throw up. Yes. Whether you, you just drink a lot of liquids after every single meal you have so that you can just lean down to the toilet and just throw up. Or whether you just, it comes within habits where you actually throw up without even thinking about it. It's time for me to throw up. So I'm just going to run to the toilet and be prepared that I'm going to throw up right now. I think what I wanted to ask you is, is I mean, I could see, obviously, there, it's very obvious that the, the starvation of the body and making yourself lose weight and all of that was a reaction to you experiencing a loss. And whether it was the loss of the boyfriend and then later on was the loss of your aunt and the loss of maybe some of your friends or, or your job also. Um, but also it's, it feels like it was always your response is instead of sitting with that feeling of loss and, and just mourning and being sad and, and having all these emotions, you resisted that and you went for the bulimia. And it was like, um, if I lose more weight, then I'll be pretty. Then um, I'm going to go get back with my boyfriend. Then I'm not going to have to experience those feelings of loss anymore. If I were, if I, if I change something about myself, something else will change. And I don't have to feel those feelings anymore. That's true. That's how I thought that at that time. Yeah. That's how I actually thought. I thought that life is all about beauty and how to be perfect. And I didn't know that as human beings, we, we have insecurities and I didn't even know the word insecurities until I suffered from what I had. Yeah. And it's normal to have insecurities. It's of course it's normal to feel I'm different than everyone around me. I'm different nationality. I speak differently. I look differently and it's normal. It's normal to cry when you're feeling down. It's, uh, it's normal to laugh when you're very happy. It's normal to over talk when you feel like you're very excited. But then this world we're living in is teaching you things that you shouldn't talk unless the person in front of you wants to hear you. You shouldn't be happy because the person in front of you is sad. What so did I you actually needed at the time. At that time, I needed someone to feel like I want to talk to them about what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. I wanted to feel like I have someone I can tell them the truth of what I've been through. Like I actually throw up after every meal I eat and I cannot do anything about it now. And I'm I'm devastated and I'm so depressed. And I know my mood swings are, are getting more and more and more. And I cannot, uh, I'll be suddenly laughing and then suddenly crying out of no reason. But I, I don't know what's happening to me. And my parents started noticing that the throw up by going after me to the toilet. And then my mom told me once that you were, you, did you throw up today? I told her, yeah, I did. I feel sick. And I have visited like more than 10 doctors per that year. And I know what's my problem, but I was lying to my mom the whole time mm-hmm. because I wasn't being able to tell her that I'm having a mental issue. I'm, I'm going through something that I cannot explain it to you because I, I believe you're not going to understand it. She, she wouldn't understand, not because she's not supportive, but like, 
would she take it in the same way I'm taking it? Would she understand it the same way I'm understanding it? Would she feel me? Would she put herself in my shoe? No, she would not because her generation is totally different than my generation. And they don't have, maybe they had back in the days in the 90s and the 80s, the eating disorder issues, but I don't believe it was as strong as, as it is nowadays. No, it was as strong. It was just not talked about. That's the difference. Yeah. What would have made you feel like people around you understood you? What did you need? I'm asking you those questions because I'm sure that I'm hoping that people who are listening are not only people who struggle, but also someone who knows someone who's struggling. So I want you to say, because that might give them a tip as to how to help a loved one. No one would actually, until today, I'm a very complicated person. We are all, we all are. <laughs> very extremely complicated. And I, it's not because I want to be complicated because me within myself, I sometimes don't understand myself. Yes. But I was always trying my best to be fitted in the environment I'm in and yeah. the group I'm in. So they're partying now. I should party, even though if I'm not feeling like partying, so they would think Mirna's happy today. She's fine. She's just acting like us. She's talking like us. She's pretending to be like us. She's fine. But does any one of these people know what I'm going through? Yeah. No. 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 They would not know because I'm I'm showing the different opposite of what I'm actually feeling. No, it's actually why I started lying. I was perfect at lying. I know how to lie to you that I'm not throwing up. I'm not sick. I have sat with three life coaches and I told them my story. And then after they followed up, I told them, no, I'm fine. I forgot about it. I'm totally fine. And last week I went there and they would actually believe me. Yes. Because I don't want to convince myself that I'm actually struggling. And I don't want anyone to give me an advice because they still don't feel me. Do you think that they don't feel you or do you think that maybe it was I am not ready to stop yet so I'm not going to be honest about it because I don't want them to stop me I think at the beginning it was that way that I didn't want to stop yet because I was really obsessed of losing weight so at the end of the year I reached the weight of 40 yeah I was 40 fixed if I eat I would get 40.6 maximum and then I would lose it the next day. I'm just 40. So I started taking photos of my body mm-hmm. to myself. Mm-hmm. And just to see if that's how I want to be. But it turned out that's not how I want to be. Mm-hmm. Seeing myself in the mirror where I'm just full of bones with no curves. And my face had no... Like, you wouldn't even want to look at my face. It was pale. So if you know what bulimia is, you would see me. And then I had the chipmunk cheeks. And my eyes were always bloated. And my arms, my fingers, sorry, they were always red. Yeah. And my bones would just show from my shoulder. I was all about bones. And I was happy. Why? Because models are very skinny. And people, they like people who are very skinny. And they... They love looking at that, but it's not true. Not all people are the same. That's what I learned nowadays. About Later on, what I've been through recently and last year, I've learned that not all people are the same. 
and you will find different kind of people in your life that will teach you something. I have another question. You said something about getting skinnier and skinnier and models and people liking skinny and, and people around you like skinny and, and society loves skinny and, and kind of is always idealizing skinny people and, and to the opposite, they're coming down very harshly on people who are um, curvy or overweight. Is that, is that the time where your modeling career started? When you lost all the weight? My modeling career started when I was in 2016. I was still in school. When you started with the eating disorder? No. Did it get better with the eating disorder? Because you were skinnier? Yeah, it actually did. Like it's, um, it's attracted a lot of people to contact me and ask me to be their model. And I did a lot of modeling. I actually earned a bit of quite money from that. So your skin was rewarded. Yeah, in a way you it was. You yourself and for society others. was rewarding that. Yeah, for for others, yeah, but for myself, it was never. Oh, what? Okay. I, I used to always feel insecure, even when I was skinny. I used of to course. feel insecure. It doesn't it, because it doesn't take it away. I mean, no matter how skinny you get, it doesn't. It, the insecurity is still there. You know uh, what I can express right now is that bulimia has became a sort of copying mechanism. Yeah. And it's not about being like a person who's bulimic, but it was more of a controlling thing on me. Yeah. What were you trying to control? To control what I looked like, okay. my feelings. My feelings actually, it appeared on my, how I look like. Um, I want to look this way. I want to look perfect. I want to wear the best dress in the world where it fits me perfectly. And I don't want to go to a person who tell me um, it's a bit loose or it's a bit tight on you. Yeah. I want to be perfect. But I didn't want to use the fact of nowadays we have the plastic surgeries available. Yeah. I can simply do it. It's not that expensive. If I want to do it, I can do it. But I didn't want to reach that because I felt like it's not the right way to do it. Because I'm not what fake. What does perfect mean to you at the time? At the time, perfect is just the way you are the way you see yourself in the mirror, yeah. the way you feel comfortable going outside the door of your house. And so, so it was it, so perfect for you. It sounds like it meant how you were being perceived. Yeah. So if you were being perceived as perfect, that meant that you were perfect. Yes. Because now I'm not really, I'm not, I'm not fit. I'm yeah. not uh, fat. I'm not skinny. I'm, I'm fine. I'm happy the way I am. I gained a couple of weight. Uh, comparing to the three years before, but I like my curve. I love my curves. So going back to the main issue I had of how my bulimia start was about a relationship and how I lost my confidence. I saw that it's going through my years, but in a different way, in a different personality of the princess in front of me. Tell me more about that. So it turns out that I'm a person who gets very attached. I'm very pure that I, I don't want to complicate things in front of me. I would just go with the flow. As long as it feels right, with love, with care, with attention, that's all it matters to me. So I'm not expecting that the, the person in front of me would react to me the same way I am. So when I personally reached to a point where 
my goal in life is to be a pilot. And then I find a person that I love is telling me to give up on it. And I feel like I have the potential to give it up because I love that person. It's just like something I'm not, I'm not, I'm not right. I'm not, there's something wrong. There's something that's missing. One of the doubts I had in this relationship is because this person actually asked me to give up on my dream. I think what you're trying to say is that what was more alarming for you was not that he's asking, is that you were willing. I was willing because I actually loved them. Yes, but, but, but I think what you're seeing in retrospect, like what you're seeing right now is that was such a shock to me that I would be willing to give up on a dream for someone and then look at what happened. Look at the betrayal I experienced from him. Look at, look, look at the hurt. So it feels like a little bit what you're trying to say is, and I could be wrong, but it felt like it was a double betrayal. Like he betrayed you, but you also betrayed you. I did. In so many ways, I actually lost my friends. I lost my job and I was about to lose my family for this person. But what did I get in return? It's nothing. And I'm so thankful that I have not continued with this relationship and it ended at some point. Yeah. Not everyone values the same thing. So for example, you value your career and your individuality and, and maybe the work that you want to do or that dream that you want to accomplish. Like it seems like this is a dream that you would really love to accomplish. And this is something to you that that is of bigger value. Maybe somebody else would not value it the same way. And it doesn't make it right or wrong. It just makes it different because that's how the world is. We, we just all have different values. But it seems because it was a young age, obviously you're very young, you're 17, 18. That's quite, I mean, you're still developing your own personality. And then when you get all of these different influences, a boyfriend, society, different world, a little bit, when you get exposed to all of that, it can be overwhelming. And it sounds like it was very overwhelming for you. And it just caused you that sense of, okay, so who I am and what do I want? And this, this is what kind of triggered the anorexia slash bulimia, because you sound like you were quite overwhelmed and you just needed to have control over the situation. That's right. So it's not about that I was not aware of what's happening. Yeah. I was yeah. aware and I knew what's happening. But going back to the point where it was not just about bulimia, mm. it started causing me uh, more of a mental health issues. Temper. I believe in the past three to four years, I have had this one day per year that I broke everything in the house because of my anger. I, I cannot discuss it with anyone because no one will understand me, as I told you before. But then when... You can just tell me a, a good morning that I didn't really like the way you said it. And I'll just break everything in front of me. But why did I go through this? I mean, I have the, the perfect life. I have my family around me. I have a job. I'm still studying. I have a very bright future along. I don't need anything from life. But why am I doing this to myself? Why did I do that to myself at the time? It's because of questions that I have not had an answer yet to it. Mm -hmm. It seems like what you're made... on the way. I'm on the way, yeah. Yeah. 
I'm away. I'm understanding. I've learned a lot this year. I've learned that I don't have to be pleasing for everyone. Yeah. I don't have to please anyone because I'm in a situation where I'm still healing from what I had in my previous life. You know, also it's the issues that healing is a journey. It's not, it doesn't happen overnight. It's not easy. So for you to be able to embark on that journey, especially when you're healing from something as strong as, I mean, anorexia slash bulimia, this has a lot of habits. It's been, it, it was going on for a couple of years. It's, it's just, it becomes very embedded in, mm-hmm. in what you are. And it starts to reflect on your relationship with food, your relationship with your body, your relationship with yourself, your relationship with people. This all completely changes when you start developing the symptoms. So in order to heal all of that and redefine your relationships with all of these things, again, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of energy. And it requires that at least the environment around you becomes much less toxic and more supportive. So I can understand what you're saying about friend, that friends need to understand that I need alone time because I am in recovery. It's like sleeping for someone who had surgery. It's like resting for someone whose body is aching. Alone time is the time that you process, that you reflect, that you think, that you try to make sense of the experience, which is, I mean, you've made you've made some sense out of it, but you're still working on it and you are aware that you're still working on it. That's right. Um, I agree 100%. It's just, it gave me time where I think within myself that I actually lost trust in everything around me. You know, like when I meet someone new, I first thing I lost trust and um, I lost trust and loving someone else. I'm scared. It's not because the person is wrong, but I'm scared. I'm very scared because I don't want to go through what I have been through. Mm-hmm. I'm not ready to meet someone who's going to make me feel insecure about myself again. I don't want to fake it. It sounds like you stopped trying to pleasing everyone around you and you started focusing on what you need. Yeah, that's true. Rather than what people want or expect from you. The way I'm healing is when I talk about my problems. Yeah. To a person who actually understands what I'm going through. And every day I'm noticing that I'm, I'm changing. I'm being a better person, but still I have those insecurities. I have lost my confidence from, from my previous relationships. So when I say a relationship, it's not about a relationship with a boyfriend or a lover. It's about a relationship within your friends, within your family, within your personal life, within yourself. Mm-hmm. You would lose confidence. Yeah. In a way, you would lose it. And it's normal to feel that. And it's normal to happen. My mom, when she read my story, she was shocked and she started crying. She's like, you never told me. Mm-hmm. And I told her I wasn't sure of what's the right way to tell you. I wouldn't know if you're going to understand it or no, but because to be honest, I'm still suffering from bulimia until today. Yes. I still throw up. You're still struggling with some symptoms. I still do, to be honest. 
but not as much as I did before. And I'm not saying it's something that it can be cured in a day or in a month or in a year. It, it depends on if you're capable to do it or not. If you have the positive energy because you want to challenge yourself to move on from a step you were in, you'll be able to move on. But it takes a lot of process to happen. It took me a lot of years now let's say around six years to recover, but I'm not 100% recovered. I'm still suffering. I still throw up every a heavy meal I eat, but I don't force myself to do that. But I find myself just walking to the toilet and just doing it, doing it because I feel like my body is asking me to do it. My mind is telling me to do it. And it's it's normal. It's fine if it happens. I'm not... I'm not complaining, but at least I'm not doing it on a daily basis. At least I'm strong enough to talk about it. And, and I know what's my issue. And I, I seeked help in Germany. I had a psychologist there I used to talk to on a daily basis, but he was very helpful, but I still lied to him about it, about what I have been going through. So it's not about what life is giving you. It's about what you give to life. I mean, Thank you for being so open and, and and honest about not only the beginning of your disorder, but also where you are now, where, where you're at now and where you lie on the healing journey. You know, a lot of what I see with other people is that there's always this sense of I, either I have an eating disorder and it's bad and it's and I have the symptoms and all of that, or I'm symptoms free and I recovered. Nobody really talks about this time in between from one point to the other point when you're reducing the symptoms, but they're still there. When you're working on the thoughts of uh, I need to be skinny and I care about what people think of me and I do this and I do that. But at the same time, you're trying to work on yourself and you're trying to learn to be comfortable within yourself and that the opinion of others doesn't matter. In that in-between time, what does the disorder look like? What does your day-to-day look like? This is what I don't think a lot of people talk about. And there's this idea of you one day have the symptoms, you wake up the next day and you don't have the symptoms. Mm-hmm. And that's not how it works. It's very complicated. It's very as much, it's very toxic, I can say. For me, what I know what I want and what I need, but it's like it's very hard to reach it and it's hard to process it with your mind because at the end of the day, you're dealing with two things. It's your mind and your heart. It's very, very complicated. But as long as you just feel like you're doing the right thing and you know that you want to get out of something, you will get out of it eventually. It's not about how long it takes you or how stressed you are or how people are thinking about you. It's just a matter of time. It'll take so much time from your life. If you're struggling, you will struggle for a while, but then you will come out of a good result where you are happy of what you became. And I'm very happy today that I am able to talk about it openly and not being scared if someone's going to hear this from my family and think that I'm stupid or I'm, uh, I'm ill or I did not respect my culture. No, because I'm not saying anything wrong. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just talking about my feelings and what I've been through. I believe like everything happens for a reason. And what I have been through in my life taught me something. And work helps. My university life helped. People I meet day to day helped. And 
my parents really helped a lot being there for me and it's very sad i know some people they don't have this blessing of having their family around their parents and it's very important but then i'm sure you'll have this someone who is replacing your parents and is there for you and is supporting you and whenever you need them you will get the advice you would have had from your mom or from your dad we live in a world where where friends become closer sometimes than family. Um, it's important. I think you're making a very good point in pointing out that it's important to rely on the resources and the, and the support of the people around us. This is not a fight that you need to, to to be going through alone. The majority of it, the majority of the work, you're doing it. Not everybody, not anyone around you. You're doing the work, but just drawing on their support sometimes. Sometimes what I notice in my life, even with, with my family and friends, is that sometimes people don't know what to do for you. And what I've learned in recent years is that, okay, this is what I need. If that's what I need, I'll call my friend and be like, I need to vent about this for 10 minutes. I don't want you to tell me how what to do. I don't want you to help me. I don't want you to solve it for me. I just need to just vent about it. So sometimes just telling people who love you or and care about you, what you need to feel supported, a lot of them will just do it. My friend is my mom. She's a person that who would never, even if I'm bad to her sometimes and I'm always screaming and sometimes I'm just acting my age and I'm, I don't like what you say, she would still go to people and tell them that I'm the best person in the world. And I love her. Let me ask you this thing to wrap it up. Moving forward, as you continue on your healing path that you said, I'm still, I still throw up sometimes. I still struggle to keep food. I still have, I mean, this is not, this is not something that goes away overnight. What do you feel um, you need, you need to do for yourself or maybe you, and, and also what do you feel others need to do for you? I'm not a victim. No, nobody is. Everything that happened through my life. I was never a victim, just a phase of the time I have been through my life. And I believe that I need to work on myself and to be more aware and to be more strong and have faith in God that I can actually go and reach what I want. Mm -hmm. And I don't want one day where I'm going to be sitting with people and feel that I'm less than anyone. We're all equal in this life. We came for a purpose. At the end of the day, the way you see yourself will immediately force people to see the way you are yeah. and it's fine and it's normal to cry and it's normal to feel down and it's normal to feel happy it's totally fine to feel like you're there's something missing in you but it's the best to look where how can i fix it not to wait for someone to point it out for me and tell me what to do or or, because, or not to think that somebody else just the existence of somebody else in in your life or a different body shape shape that something external will fix it for you it's understanding exactly. that if you think that within you you have a problem within you you need to fix it i want to thank you for your openness this was very very enlightening i think for a lot of people just to understand even if they've never suffered with an, with an eating disorder, just to understand that this is out there and, and some people are, are struggling and just to get it from 
the voice of someone who has been through the journey. Yeah, Thank you, Mabel. It was great talking to you. It was amazing talking to yeah. you, really. Thank you really? so much. Thank you for your openness. That was that was really that that was the key. That's very great. That's I'm very, very happy brave. with that, to be honest. And I really feel comfortable now. I'm not yeah. nervous anymore, but I, I felt like a relief, to be honest. You must be very proud of yourself right now. I wish you all the best on, your, on, on the rest of your healing journey. And I really, I think that you're going to do great. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this episode with Mirna. If you're listening to this podcast and you or a loved one are struggling with some of the symptoms mentioned in some of the episodes, please reach out to professional help. Feel free to email me for recommendations and referrals. My contact details are mentioned in the description. Join me next week with a new guest and a new journey to be.